Well, good morning, guys. It's always fun to be with you. I love this church. I love what God's doing, and uh, I love you. We're going to be uh, in Matthew chapter 6 today. If you've got your Bible, if you've got your Bible app, feel free to open that up. And as I always say, if you don't have a Bible uh, at home, we want you to have a, the Word. So you can always grab one of the Bibles off uh, the wall and the racks on the wall and take one home with you if you'd like. Um, I am excited about today's topic because it's all about something that a lot of us struggle with. And uh, the four-letter word today is pray. They might think, well, why would we throw that in a series, four-letter word series? Well, because a lot of us uh, have different reactions to this word pray. Some of us feel guilty. You don't have to raise your hand, but you feel guilty because you feel like, I probably should pray more. I don't pray enough. I don't pray whatever. And uh, so there's a little bit of guilt associated with the word pray. And I hope today that I won't add to that guilt or shame. That's not my attempt. I do want to encourage you. Some of us don't know how. We get frustrated. I get emails from people from time to time. You know, I said, I really don't have a model. I grew up in a home where we didn't pray. I went to a church where the only people who prayed were the priests or the pastors, and I don't have a model. I don't know how to pray. And then there, of course, is the, let's be honest, there's the frustration with, I tried prayer, and it didn't work. I've uh, been there, done that, and it's like, you know, I feel like I'm talking to nobody or myself or my cat, and my cat can't help me. Believe me, cats cannot help you. But um, you have this little thing about cats, never mind. But anyhow, I, I know that there's a lot of reaction to this word, uh, pray, and I, I want to unpack some things today that I hope will encourage you. I've got a good friend, lives in California, who's recently gone through some horrific health issues, which uh, has led to some horrific financial issues. Those two things often go hand in hand. And uh, uh, dealing with financial struggles um, is hard. Dealing with health issues is even harder. And while we were talking, uh, I said, well, is there anything I can do for you? How are you doing? What do you need? And he made this comment. Basically, he said, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. And the inference, the suggestion was, I've tried everything else, and nothing's really working, so all I can do now is pray. And frankly, his attitude is something that I've wrestled with at times and something that I hear uh, or see it quite a bit in Christians. We uh, tend to have this attitude, when all else fail, then we pray. My challenge to you today, and one of the things I want to encourage you to do is to pray first. I'm not against medicine. I'm not against, you know, getting help from doctors or counselors. I'm not against just common sense or wisdom. But one of the things that I, I think we tend to do, and I say we because I, I could include myself in that statement, is that once we've exhausted every other thing on the planet, we've exhausted every other resource available to us, then we decide to pray. And I want to encourage you to make prayer your first response, not your last. I've read a lot of books on prayer because I value prayer. I probably have 15 or 20 in my library. But the longer I've walked with Jesus, here's something that I've discovered that I hope, again, will, will encourage you, that prayer is far more simpler than I think we tend to make it. The very fact that there are books written about prayer might make you think, well, man, if I have to read a two, 300-page book to understand this, I'll never get it. It's just too much. It's too complicated. I don't understand why. And I actually have a book that's about this thick on prayer. And you think, man, how could you write that many words on prayer? If it's that simple, well, uh, I, it's not as nearly as complicated or as difficult as some have made it out to be. It's not about using the right words. It's not about using a formula. It's not about some theological understanding you have to have. Here's my profound and incredibly insightful statement. Here it is. Ready? Prayer is about talking to God. It's about relationship. We're going to unpack that some more in just a moment. 
And I want you to keep that in mind as we walk through this. That I don't want you to, some of you have already said, man, I, I think I, I, I need to go. Or I just, as soon as I can, I'm going to take a nap or I'm going to get my phone out. Instead of my Bible app, I'll open up a, you know, a game or something. I want you to stay with me today because this is not hard. It's not complicated. And I promise you, you'll be encouraged. Before I unpack, though, some things about prayer, uh, let's talk about why most people do pray. And again, there are probably three basic reasons that motivate all of us. One of them being crisis, another one being complaint, and another one being care. Most of us, even people who are not Christ followers, when they get into a pickle, they get into trouble, what do they do? You know, eventually, somewhere along the line, they, they try to pray. When in crisis, we pray. A lot of us, when we're hurt, mad, or ticked off, we complain to God. Now, you might not call that a prayer because you don't think you're really being very spiritual, but it's a prayer because you're in conversation with God. God, I really don't like this. God, you suck. God, why is this happening in my life? That's complaining to God. It's prayer. Some of us, because we do have compassion or care for others, we pray for them on a regular basis. And by the way, I, I encourage you, fill out the prayer request on the bottom of the, the pulse. We love to pray for you, and I love to pray for you. And we do care about those things. And every week, we've got a prayer team at the end of our services down front. Which, by the way, little insert here, shameless plug, we want to build up our prayer team. And I want to encourage you today. Some of you, you need to say, you might, I don't know where I can serve at East Point. I'm not sure what I can do. And I can't show up here, you know, uh, after or before, you know, something else happening. But you can hang around for 10, 15 minutes after service and be a part of our prayer team. And again, the sign on the back says prayer team. After the service, there will be some people back there. Go talk to them. Go on our website. Uh, there's a prayer team uh, banner on the website. You can click that. And there's a simple little application to fill out. We just want to make sure you love Jesus and that you're okay. But um, we do want to get more people involved in our prayer team because I think caring for others is a powerful way to do that is by prayer. Now, all of those reasons are good reasons to pray. Crisis, complaint, care. They're all good reasons. But I think the best reason for us to pray is a relational reason. Prayer helps me grow in my relationship with God. Prayer will help you grow in your relationship with God. If I'm going to be close to anyone, to any person on the planet, then that involves conversation. Conversation is critical. Oh, we get that. You, you can't grow in your relationship with your spouse, with your BFF, with you know, your kids, with your parents. You cannot grow in a relationship unless there's conversation. And most of us go, yeah, duh, I know that. I guess that's true. I mean, whatever. But it's absolutely true in our relationship with God as well. If you're to grow in your relationship with him, it has to involve conversation with him. The disciples watched Jesus pray. They watched him pray a lot. And it's interesting because apparently Jesus did it quite differently than the religious guys they grew up around. And they also recognized that in Jesus there was something personal, something relational, and in fact something very powerful in his prayers. And so at one point they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. We, we want to we get this because we've watched you. We know that this matters. We've seen you in conversation. And I imagine we don't have a lot of details. It says that Jesus often went to a, a secluded place that he left the disciples to go and pray. But I'm sure there were times when he prayed with the guys. I'm sure there were times he just walking along the road that he began. And again, maybe just in a two or three sentence statement, he entered into conversation with the Father. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Matthew chapter 6, pick up verse 5. Here's some of the instructions from Jesus. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will, will, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you've grown up in church or been around church much at all, you know that this is typically referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And again, lots of books have been written about this one particular prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And many of you, uh, like me, have probably memorized it from the time you were little kids. You know this, you've heard it enough times where you could probably quote it without even thinking about it. What's significant about this particular prayer here is Jesus provided an approach to prayer. He wasn't giving them or us a prayer to recite. Not that there's anything evil about that. But I think we've missed the mark if we think this is just something we need to memorize and quote. It's not something to memorize. It's not something to say. It's something to model. It's a model, a pattern for us to follow. And there's some things here that Jesus teaches, and I want to unpack them for you. Here's the first one, number one, if you're taking notes. Keep it real. When you pray to God, keep it real. Verse 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. A couple of weeks ago, I said that Jesus consistently got in the face of the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. He had zero tolerance for posers, absolutely no tolerance for them. And he said, when you pray, and they, these guys would have all seen these Pharisees do this. Don't be like those guys who make a show out of it for the praise of men. Don't pretend, don't be a poser. In fact, Jesus said, find a private place and pray in secret to your Father. Now, let me insert. He is not saying here that public prayer is wrong. He's not saying that we can never pray with others. He's simply saying that our motivation matters. And if we're doing this to get the, the praise of others, if we're doing it to somehow get you know, respect from people or to impress them with our spirituality, then Jesus says you've missed the mark entirely. And Jesus, again, modeled often. He went off to a secret place by himself to pray. You see, Jesus knows that when we go into a quiet, secluded place to pray, that we won't be tempted to role play. Unless you're really whacked, you're not going to go into a closet and, and pray in a weird way as if you're trying to impress yourself. Because you don't need to do that. You only do that when you're trying to impress others. And so the greatest chance, Jesus knew the greatest chance for you to be genuine and real is to be alone with the Father. And that's what he desires, to have realness. I used to be a part of a Bible study years ago with a guy we'll call Bart, not his real name, but uh, Bart was a good guy. He really was. He loved Jesus. Uh, he, he typically worked hard. He said and did, the, you know, the right things. But every time we got together, and especially at the end of the Bible study, we'd pray, Bart just got weird. He just, something just was hinky. Whenever he prayed, he would, his, the tone, the words he used changed. He started using language in prayer that he never used in conversation. And he started sounding like he was reading the King James Bible. You know that God doesn't speak King James, right? Just testing. There's nothing wrong with the King James Version. Don't email me. I don't want to hear it. I'm just saying that it's, it, was, it was language hundreds of years ago the way they spoke. It was okay. It was normal. But it's not so normal now. 
But Bart would go on. And the other thing he did, and maybe you've experienced this before with people in prayer groups, is that while they're praying, you really feel like they're preaching. That they're, they're, they're supposed to be talking to God, but really what they're praying about is you or trying to make their point to you or they're, they're in your face about something. And I was just frustrated because I knew Bart and I knew he loved God. And so one day I took the bold step and I was a little nervous because I thought he might explode and he didn't. But Bart, I, I said, I got one simple question for you. One question. Why do you pray like that? Where's the Bart that I know when, you know, he, you close your eyes and open your mouth in prayer? What happens? And as it turned out, we had a very good conversation. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I guess that's just the model I grew up with. That's that's what I saw, that's what I knew, that's what I heard, and so that's what I do. And once he recognized that, it was really cool to watch him begin to relearn how to just have a conversation with God. Rosalind Rinker, in her book, Prayer, Conversing with God, one of the shortest books I've ever read on prayer, and one of the best. It's been around for decades. Not even sure it's still available. If, it's, if it is, go buy it. Rosalind Rinker, R-I-N-K-E-R, Prayer conversing with God. But here's a quote from her book. Prayer is the expression of the human heart in conversation with God. I love that statement. The more natural the prayer, the more real it becomes. It all has been simplified for me to this extent. Prayer is a dialogue between two persons who love each other. Isn't that beautiful? Prayer is a dialogue between two persons who love each other. God wants it real. That's what he's looking for. And if that means that sometimes you come to God and you are really upset, don't pretend like you're not upset. If you come to God and you're really hurt, don't try to put a happy face on it. For God, he already knows. Just keep it real. Be honest with him. Be true to him. Just converse with him like you would anyone else. Keep it real. Here's the second thing about prayer. Number two, keep it short and simple. Short and simple. Verse 7. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their what? Many words. The pagans of Jesus' day were known for their impersonal and repetitive prayers. Frankly, that's still true of today. And they thought to get their God's attention to appease their gods that they had to babble on for, uh, for hours. And Jesus says, don't go there. You don't have to be like that. I've had the opportunity to travel to India and uh, Singapore and Thailand and Sri Lanka and Southeast Asia quite a bit. And I've been to um, Buddhist temples. I've been to Hindu temples. And I've watched guys do this very thing where they are rocking and they're repeating the same phrase over and over and over again and somehow trying to get their God's attention to appease their God. And it always, it breaks my heart because it's so far from what Jesus wants us to have with the Father. Do you understand? Verse 8, look at it again. Jesus said, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now the question might be, then why ask? We'll get to that next. It has to do with the R word, relationship. But Jesus is saying here, God's not angry and harsh, and that we don't have to fear him. We don't have to somehow convince him. We're not trying to twist God's arm when we pray. This is not where I got to come and really get, you know, and, and go on and on and on and, and just, we don't have to do that because he already knows. We don't have to try and earn anything, listen, anything from God. We don't have to fight to get his attention. We're his kids. You are a child of God. If you're in relationship with, with him through Jesus, you're a child. And he knows what you need even before you do. He knows better than you do what you need. And it's not our many words that ultimately get God's attention. 
It's just the fact that we come to the Father who already knows. And so we can keep it simple. Short and sweet is just fine with God. I'm fairly famous in my family and in, amongst my friends, especially when it comes to eating and prayers over the food. Um, I'll just say that I grew up around religious people who prayed for hours for everything under the sun when they're supposed to be just thanking God for the meal. And they would include the missionaries and this and that and all sorts of things. It's like, my goodness, I, I remember as a little kid, would you just shut up? I'm hungry. And then I started figuring out, you know what? God doesn't really need the long prayer. I can keep it short and simple. And I'm fairly famous. I mean, I don't, I'm a little bit better than rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. But it's about that short. You know, God, thanks for this food. It smells awesome. Let's eat. And it's the heart that matters, again, to God way more than all the words we use anyhow. Keep it short and simple. Keep it short and sweet. That's okay. Here's the third thing we need to know about prayer. Number three, here, here's the big deal. Here's what I told you I wanted to unpack with you. Keep it relational. Keep it relational. Jesus started in this model prayer in verse 9 with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. And you need to know something. You need to know how radical and how wonderful this first part of Jesus' prayer was. The, the word here, when he says, Our Father, he's referencing an Aramaic word that would have been uh, Abba. It's, if you look at the original, original language of the New Testament, he says, Our Abba, who art in heaven. And it's a very intimate and a very personal title that essentially means Papa or Daddy. And here's another little insight. No respectable Jew of the day, none of them would ever have used that term to address God. They didn't even use the name of God. They referred to him as Yahweh. They, 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 were, they were so uh, concerned about using the name of God in vain that, that there's no way on the planet they would ever approach God with that intimacy, with that phrase, Papa, Daddy, Abba. But Jesus uses it here. And we have no idea. I, I, I wish I could just imagine, you know, the look on this guy's face when, when he says, here's how I want you to pray. And by the way, he didn't say what to pray. Again, it was a model. Here's how. Our Father, Abba, who art in heaven. And I bet the guys were like, did he just call God Papa? The shock of that, the intensity, the incredible radical nature of that prayer would not have been missed by them, but it is by us too often. Jesus uses the term here. Paul uses it in Romans 8. Again, and it's this amazingly personal reference to God. Now, yes, God is to be honored, which Jesus goes on to say, hallowed, holy, amazing, set apart, beautiful, special is your name. Yes, he is to be honored, but he is our Papa God, a father like no other. Now, let me insert something here. I hadn't really planned on saying because, but I need to say this because it's my story too. Some of us had bad experiences with our papas, with our dads. I'm very aware that some of you had a hor horrible, terrible relationship with your dad. Maybe he emotionally or sexually abused you, physically abused you. Maybe he was an absentee father and distant. And part of the struggle for us when we hear this phrase, even father, as we just dial up all sorts of other images that are not the way God is. I want you to know that he is a good father. He is a, an amazing, holy, special, wonderful, good father. And he's the one of, uh, uh, more than any other person on the, in the universe that deserves to be called Papa. I had a friend, her name's Eileen, 
I still have her in my life, and I love her. I haven't spent much time with Brian and Eileen for a long time. But we used to live together. Now, Eileen and I didn't live together. Laura and I lived with Brian and Eileen. We lived in a shared home together. This is years ago. And good friends. Uh, and she would pray every time she'd start her prayer. I mean, whether it's a meal or a prayer time, whenever we spend time together you know, in prayer in the house or whatever it was, she'd always start with Papa God or Daddy God. And honestly, it really bugged me. It's just like, who do you think you are? I, I'm, I never said this out loud, but it just seemed so casual and so cavalier and so inappropriate. It's like, and again, I'm in my 20s, and I am in this process in my 20s of going through some healing uh, over my experience with my dad. And it pushed every button in me, went for a, a dozen different reasons for her to say, Papa God, Daddy God. And I never did like it. I never did like it, and I never told her so, but I never did like it. Years later, years later, I finally come to this understanding that I want you to come to today, that he is our daddy. He is our papa. And she was more spot on than any other, you know, person I've ever been around when it comes to addressing our God. What is prayer? It's real. It can be short and simple, but it's relational conversation with the one who loves you beyond measure, a conversation. And so we don't say a prayer. You know, from time to time I hear parents, they'll say to their kids, and I, you know, I'm not saying this is evil, I know their intent, but they'll say to their child, did you say your prayers tonight, Bobby? Did you say your prayer before you ate that food, you know, Susie? And I, and I, always, I hear that, and I, I always smile just a little bit because I realize that's embedded in our system, in our psyche, in our thinking, that we have to say a prayer. We don't say a prayer. We don't do prayer. We converse. We dialogue. We have a conversation with our Father. It's not about ritual. It's, it's all about relationship with him. All about relationship. People say, well, I have these needs, and I, and I don't know why I have so many needs. and I don't know why, you know, God doesn't seem to move in my time frame. He doesn't seem to answer my, my prayers when I, when I come to him, and I'm not sure. Can I just suggest to you, I, here's a couple things I'll say. One is that I don't have a great answer, a simple answer for why some prayers seem to take forever or don't get answered, in the, at least in the way we want them to. I don't have an answer for you. I do have a suggestion. Perhaps it's because God cares more about relationship. Maybe that need is what keeps you coming back to him. Maybe it's that need that keeps us desperate for him. Because here's the thing I do know. I know that God cares more about relationship with you than you can even begin to imagine. Prayer. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Short, sweet, and keep it relational. But one last question I want to address. Does prayer really make any difference? I think it's a good question. Does it really matter? Well, I want you to watch a short video. I guess it'll be over here. Short video, and then we'll address that question. Let's watch this together. I love it when the news calls something a Missouri miracle, and uh, it was. Now, full disclosure, so you'll know, uh, did, we did some research. They actually did find the priest. He was a real person. Uh, you use angel in a more liberal term as a ministering servant to those who love God. He was that. But, you know, the point for me, I know the news wants to make a big deal about, you know, ooh, you know, was an angel, and did, where did he come from? And it is kind of strange still that it didn't show up in any of the pictures, and how he got there is a whole other story. But my point here is this. I love the faith of that high school girl. She said, pray out loud. Who did she turn to in the midst of crisis? She turned to God. She turned to, to the one she knew could help her. 
And so often we get into situations where we are completely over our head. How many of you would be honest to say you've been in something, maybe in the last month, that's completely over your head? Let me see your hands. Come on. Yeah. And look around. I mean, this is just life. It is life on planet Earth. We face stuff bigger than us all the time. And that could be really discouraging, really despairing, really frustrating, unless you, as a child of God, would stop and say, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray out loud, and I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to look to him. I believe prayer makes a difference, all the difference in the world. At the very least, and I don't think this is a least thing, but at the very least what prayer does is that it turns our heart to God. It turns our heart to him, and it, and it turns our heart to relationship with the Father. Again, is that pretty awesome? Absolutely. But I also believe, because I've seen it thousands of times, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands of times I've seen how prayer, in fact, does make a difference. Martin Luther once said, none can believe how powerful prayer is and what it is able to affect, but those have learned it by experience. He said that prayer is powerful and that it works, and he's right, it does. Does prayer really make any difference? You bet it does. It makes a difference here. And often it makes a difference in our lives and the lives of those around us. Why? Well, because God has chosen to connect himself with the prayers of his people. This is way too big for me to unpack this morning. But I will tell you this. God has chosen to connect himself to your prayer. James wrote in James 4.2, you do not have because you do not ask God. James, the brother of Jesus, said sometimes you don't have because you just don't ask. He goes on and says sometimes you don't have because you ask with the wrong motives. You're off, and there's something else going on, and God's not, you know, going to spoil his kids just because you're his kid. But then in James 5, he says this, is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up, and if he sin, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. God wants to partner with you in prayer, through prayer, to see his kingdom come and his will be done. He desires relationship with you. And in and through us, what he wants to do is partner with us as co-laborers to extend his grace, to extend his mercy to extend his healing to those on the earth. So, we pray. Are you in trouble? Pray. Are you sick? Pray. Are you in need? Pray. Why? Because prayer offered in faith works. One last story, and I'm going to wrap this up. Years ago, I got a letter from a woman named Naomi. And she uh, told me her story and the story of her son. And essentially, what had happened is her son grew up in a Christian home, went off to college, actually dropped out of college, went off the deep end, got involved in all sorts of drugs and a horrible way of life, walked away from God, walked away from faith, and in the process walked away from his family. Broke Naomi's heart. She said, I never gave up on my boy, never gave up on him, and I prayed for him every day, every day for, ready, 10 years, 10 long years, until the day finally came when a extremely horrible thing happened in this guy's life which brought him to his knees and he was the prodigal son who came back to God, came back to his family, came back to faith. What happened though after that was really the part that impressed me in her letter. She said, 
my son and I began to talk about what had happened over the 10 years. She said, I had kept a prayer journal. She said, I just do that, I always have. And I, I think it's a great idea, by the way, one great way to track what you're praying about and where God answers is to just keep a prayer journal. She said, I'd kept a prayer journal this entire time. Dated it, sometimes put date and time, and said, praying for my son, praying for this, praying for that. And she said, and we sat down together, and he said, Mom, first thing he said was, Mom, Mom I can't believe that you never gave up on me. She said, honey, so how could I give up on you? Because I know God never would give up on you. And then they began to compare stories, and this is the cool part. He would say, well, I was going through this, and she goes, when were you going through that? I said, well, it was about here, you know, sometimes you remember the exact date. And she'd pull up her journal, and she said, you know, I was praying for you that very day, this thing. And I was praying for you about that particular issue. And, and he was blown away that in those moments where he was in his most darkest, broken moments, his mama was praying for him, praying for him and not giving up on him in prayer. The story goes on, and it was amazing just to read and hear what God had done. And she was so encouraged. And this is how she signed her letter to me. She said, amazed at the power of prayer. Amazed at the power of prayer, Naomi. I want you guys to be amazed at the power of prayer. I want you to believe in prayer. I want you to become uh, fanatical about developing a relationship with God. And it happens through conversation. Some of you have given up on prayer because you feel like, I've prayed and it just hasn't, it hasn't happened for me. Guys, it might, be, it might be 10 years. It might be 30 years. I don't know. But I do know this, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep it relational. Keep it short and simple. Keep it real, but keep praying. Keep seeking God. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you um, are, in fact, a good Father that we can trust. And I know that the more we believe in your goodness, the more we will, in fact, trust you. And so today, I ask you to... Revive our hearts, revive our faith, revive our passion for prayer, for conversation, for dialogue with you. And Lord, some of us uh, have continued faithful in prayer for those around us. Some of us have given up. Some of us are frustrated right now. I just pray, Jesus, that you would breathe into our hearts a confidence in you that says, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep seeking him because I know that he hears my prayers. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your walk as a Christ follower. And I talked about relationship a lot today. That's what it really, what prayer is about conversation. It's about building, developing a relationship. You might, it might sound strange, maybe foreign to you. To, how can I have a relationship with somebody I can't see? Well, it's, it, it, it's what... God, the Holy Spirit, does. He brings this connection into our souls. And we do experience Him. We do experience His life through the Holy Spirit that comes to live within us. And it's the Holy Spirit that prays through us often when we can't even, we don't even know what to say. But if you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower and you know it's time and you want to, just make this short, simple, relational prayer yours right now. God, forgive me. I need you. I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you that he died on the cross for me. I get it. I believe that he died and that he lives. And today, I want to begin my life with you as a follower in relationship with you forever. 
You might think, well, that's so simple. Uh-huh. Is that it? Well, it's the beginning. It's, the, it's, the, it's not the finish line. It's the starting line. We see it all around and time around here. But it's, it's the beginning of a relationship with him. And if that's what you want today, just say, yep, God, that's me. I, it's time. I'm ready. Lord, for those making that decision right now or watching online, show them what it means. Show them what you're going to do. Let them know that right in this instant, in this moment, they have begun a, a, a relationship with you that will take them into eternity. And thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with a song that has become one of my favorites. It's uh, Again, it's an old hymn. It's been modernized it as well. But I, I, I wanted this song today because for some of us, uh, this will be a statement of faith because it's not well yet in terms of the circumstances around you the things that you want to see change maybe that hasn't happened but it can be well here today so you turn your heart to him let's worship and I'll come back and wrap it up this is my granddaughter Abigail she doesn't talk a lot but grandpa always listens she doesn't have much of a vocabulary yet but it really doesn't matter because I love her. Some of you feel like, I don't know what to say to God. It doesn't matter. He loves you. He loves you. Just bring your heart to him. Reach out to him like she reached out for me when she came up front here. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. If you begin your life as Christ follower today, tell somebody. Come tell us. On the tables by the door is a packet. This is for new believers. Pick one of those up. Prayer team will be down front. We'd love to have more on the prayer team. Stop by the table over there and sign up and, uh, or go on that, the website and click on the link and it'll take you to an application to fill out. Communion's available both sides of the room. Sign up for the marriage retreat. Um, take some of those Halloween flyers with you. We've only got a couple of weeks left to hand those out. We want to pack this place with lots and lots of kids. So here's my benediction. Here's my prayer for you. May you go this week and be real with a real God who loves you a real lot. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. Love you. Say bye-bye.